At Boost, we've built our brand on a simple idea. Choose now. But what does that actually mean? So in this podcast, we're setting out to explore how a choose now mindset can change the way that you think about life. We'll be talking to individuals who have taken the plunge, seized the day and made some difficult decisions. People who have done the hard things to make their life better. We'll also be trying to work out how you can apply a choose now mindset to your own life to break down the barriers that you might have behind making decisions and living the way that you want to live. The opposite of choose now is obviously procrastination. So we're also going to be looking at how you can kick out the bad habits that are stopping you from reaching your full potential. So on today's episode, we're going to be speaking to Keely Tavernar. So in 2001, Keely was an unskilled checkout worker in her own words. And by 2012, she had completed a master's degree whilst holding down a full-time job supporting prisoners at Warmwood Scrubs as they re-entered society. Now she's a psychotherapist, an accredited counsellor, a trainer and business owner running her own private practice. So What is the mindset that you need to make such a huge change? Keely focuses on personality types after her own personal experiences of a relationship with a narcissist. So we're talking to her today about the mindset needed to make huge life decisions and the psychology behind becoming more decisive and less risk adverse. Keely, welcome to the podcast and thank you so much for joining us. Good to be here. Thank you, Jay. Thank you. All right. So I'm just going to start a little bit about your journey because obviously I gave a little bit of an insight there, but that's just such a small snippet. And I like the fact that, you know, you've included a lot of the um, your past experiences in a lot of your bios and and things like that and what you what you did before the person that you are now. So just talk me through a little bit about, you know, the Keeley that we had in 2012 leading up to the Keeley that we have in front of us today on the Choose Now podcast. Yeah. So I grew up in a state in northwest London. Big up St. Raph's to say. I followed a kind of traditional trajectory where I fell in love with a local bad boy. I got pregnant young. And in terms of education, I didn't get any GCSEs and ended up at the local college where I was doing an NVQ in business and finance. It was just generic. Mm. I didn't really have much drive. I didn't really have a passion or any, I didn't think I was good at anything. And then I got pregnant, which is what I kind of, I wanted to get pregnant because a lot of my mm-hmm. friends were having babies. And then my relationship really nosedived and I was kind of bewildered by that. And I think that for me was a real wake up call. And I began reading self-help books because I was watching Oprah and Ayanna Van Sant came on and was speaking about her book in the meantime. And it just spoke to the mayhem that I was in. And that was the first thing I did, I bought her book. And and for me, that was that was the beginning of the journey, really, because after that, I decided to go back to college. I did an access course and an access course. I applied for Brunel University where I did my first degree in psychology. And then after Brunel, Brunel gave me a work placement as well. So I was still working at Ikea. With my work placement, I got a placement at Wormwood Scrubs Prison where I volunteered for six months. And for me, that was a big shift, firstly, because... Mm. You know, I was moving in a professional direction, but also, you know, there were a lot of people from my state in the prison as well. It was just, it was really shocking in terms of seeing people on the other side and getting to understand, mm. you know, the prisoners, the psychology. And so that for me was a, a massive inspiration. And then I, I worked there for a number of years and I just hit a glass ceiling. And that's what made me continue to train as a psychotherapist. 
I wanted to get deeper. Mm -hmm. I wanted to understand more about the human condition and, and more about human potential. Well, we're going to dive a lot into, um, you know, the kind of reasons why people choose now and seize the day and, and go on to Absolutely. becoming success stories like yourself. But I think already you've you've touched on something there, which is um change of environment, because, you know, you was doing what we all know as like your typical kind of retail nine to five working in IKEA, which I personally would love um, at this day and age. I love IKEA. You did your degree at Brunel, which I got rejected from when I was applying for unis back in the day. And then, yeah, and then, and then change your environment completely by working in a prison and dealing with people, like you say, that you saw on one side of that cell and now you're seeing on the other side. So I'm imagining that straight away, a change of environment was a huge factor on, you know, changing your mindset and the person that you are today. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. It was, I got rejected by Bruno as well because I didn't have maths GCSE. Okay. Yeah, yeah, but I, I, I begged. I begged them. I wrote them a begging oh, letter. They let you yeah, in. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. And I, yeah, they did. I had nothing to lose. So I'd always ask, mm. you know, and I think with my degree, with it having a sandwich with a work placement, it meant that I would then get experience in a whole different field away from retail. And that has been really mm. invaluable to me. I can't lie about that. Plus, I was also mentored. The psychologist, the head psychologist there, Lara Jonah, she took me under her wing and she mentored me because mm. I was really struggling with my shift. Yeah. You know, shifting away from my old friends, what we did into the unknown really. And I knew that I wanted better for myself. Like growing up in the state, I always wanted to choose where I lived. I always knew my mum never mm. chose and was always glad we didn't get Stonebridge or Church Road. But mm. I just always wanted to choose where I lived. And so that whole environmental shift, because I was from an estate, I think I came from a different angle in terms of understanding more about the kind of psychology behind how a lot of the men got to that position. And, and I think, you know, environment is fundamental it is crucial and if you've mm. never left the ends if your life yeah. is built upon being in the same old circle same people and you don't see difference also for me you know I'm dual heritage my dad's white mm. and my dad's middle class and so I was always exposed to difference I always had that mm. privilege which is probably why I wanted to buy my own house, right? Because I knew mm, that some mm. family members frowned upon us. I felt that privilege and I, I began to, you know, people's situations, even my own, because I followed a trajectory, a stereotypical trajectory of women on my estate. Mm. I began to understand it deeper, but also began to understand, you know, what it takes in terms of personal change and how adversity can be advantageous if you are able to take a hard long look at yourself and work on yourself it is really really interesting and especially like a lot of people look at people that are in the limelight or have made a change or might be doing something as deep as psychotherapy and maybe not realize their journey and where they've come from and you know I've grown up on a council estate my whole life and people might listen to me on Capital FM and think like oh, okay this guy must have been middle class his whole life or he mm -hmm, must have mm -hmm. gone down a different route but you know I still live on an estate and I'm still surrounded by those people and mm -hmm. I'm, I'm quite happy here so mm. it is quite interesting and it's nice for I don't know maybe people that come from that environment to hear stories like yours to know that they can make a change and they can actually do the things that they want to do and get to a place that they want to do but what I want to know is what led to 
psychotherapy because I know obviously the prison played a huge impact, but I guess even from there, you could have gone down so many different routes and so many different journeys, but what brought on that shift? So initially I wanted to be a psychologist and when I got my full-time job in the prison, I was working with the psychology department. It's just a different model that didn't sit right with me in terms of what I felt was a bigger issue in terms of the social factors. The school of thought that they looked at was kind of just looking at your mind, but I was also Mm. interested in social factors that also have a profound impact on the human spirit. And that didn't bode so well with a traditional psychologist training, which took me to self-fund my my master's because you couldn't get funding for that. So in the prison, I was delivering cognitive behavioral programs. So offender behavior programs. So I delivered the sex offender program, TSP, thinking skills programs. There was a lack of depth. So I was able to inspire and connect with the offenders, but Right. But in terms of getting deeper into their story, looking at their specifics, their dynamics, mom, dad, we weren't permitted to do that on those courses. And I wanted to understand right. individuals at a deeper level. And so that's what led me to pursue my master's in the field that really sat well with me, that took the whole biopsychosocial model, looked at people holistically. Mm. And so that's what led me down that road, which required me to have four years of therapy. So, of course, okay. Know, yeah. So, before they let you out on anybody else, you've got to do the inner work. If I compare myself to my psychologist friends, they don't have to do the work on themselves. When you study the right. psychology route, you don't have to have therapy. Psychotherapy, you have to do that. And I think that was something mm-hmm. that was essential to me because, let's be frank, I was still attracted to bad boys. You know, I was from an estate and I was still drawn to those men. And actually, it was particularly dangerous for me, for my career, for where I was going. And I had to really get under, you know, my own dynamics to understand, you know, why I'd be drawn to to mayhem in many situations. So Mm. it was a a win-win for me. It is quite admirable because the, the strength that you have to have mentally to be able to make that shift is probably something that a lot of people don't have in this day and age and it maybe is one of the reasons why a lot of people aren't choosing now and aren't seizing the day and aren't making the most of the lives that they can be. I think the challenge is people aren't aware of this kind of insights. Mm. I don't think people are really conscious of it because you know when I begin to show them how they are manifesting their misery, how they are manifesting Mm. their depression, how they are manifesting anxiety and they they get it You know, me and my friends, we often talk about why is this not taught in schools? Like this should be fundamentals, like teaching people about self-awareness and personal power. And it's sad, you know, like for many offenders, they wouldn't even get onto CBT programs. They wouldn't even get onto the offender behavior programs until they had committed their third offense. Right. And that's when the the psychological aspect kicked in of giving people support. So it's like you've got to be worse Mm. to get any intervention. And once they got it, they're like, rah. And they'd start thinking mm. about themselves, start thinking about how their mum, dad relationships are. So it's tricky because people don't have that. And I guess that's probably another thing that drove you to to do what you do today. But was there a, a shift in mindset at that particular moment when you decided to go from maybe one side of the coin to another? Was there a moment that you can identify where 
you know, I'm not found myself in a place that I'm really 100% happy with. This is now what I want to do with my life. Can you remember like a light bulb moment where where that happened or was it quite gradual? No, I, I remember my yellow bag epiphany. I always call it my yellow bag epiphany when I was at Ikea, when guys like you would go around the shop and then leave the stuff you didn't want at the checkouts, right? So I had to go around and collect <laughs> it up, right? So I was picking up the abandoned stock at the tills. And I just remember thinking like, I could do better than this. You know, I just remember thinking I could do better than this. And plus, you know, my dad was helping me a great deal with my kids and he would fund a lot of activities for them. And I felt quite inadequate as a mom that I was working, mm -hmm. but I couldn't afford the lifestyle that my dad was supporting my children to have. And I think that right. plus with combined with the reading just created this moment of I can do yeah. better than this. Even when I got into the prison, I got my job in probation. There was still another glass ceiling, you know, because I'm not like the traditional psychologist who often didn't come from the background I'd come from. So I started mm. to become a bit of an anomaly. The thing is, I'd got so far, I couldn't get that far and get stuck in the prison. Because again, when I was in the prison, I'd see a lot of powerful probation officers also get stuck because they weren't able right. to move up. You saw a lot of people get stuck who really wanted to make a difference. And what happened is, mm. you know, they got the job and then hoped that they would move through. And that glass ceiling, you know, you know, we're talking about, you know, the shades as you go up the hierarchy of the establishment wasn't reflective of, mm. of myself or darker skinned people. So a lot of people got stuck who were really passionate about making a difference. And I just didn't want that to be me. I didn't want to lose my mm -hmm. passion. I didn't want to lose my zeal. And I was choosing to live at my dad's house in the suburbs, you know, I'm acknowledging my privileges. And that enabled mm. me to say, you know what, dad, I want to do a master's. I want to specialize. I really want to go deeper. And, you know, he gave me the thumbs up because I was trying. So there is definitely mm. something about a mindset. But the reality is you need people around you. You need someone who's going to have your back when you say yes and you venture out. Yeah. So it's, a, it's like a two way. I would have got there potentially but maybe not mm. not at this point in my time in, in history. Yeah, we've touched on that in um, a couple of the other podcasts as well, just talking about some of the people that are around you and having that community and maybe just getting rid of some of the negative people that are around you as well, I think, which is just so, so mm -hmm. important. So it's just great that like everyone that we've spoken to on the Choose Now podcast has mentioned that. So I think that is a huge thing for people to take away. But again, credit to you for, for managing to do that. The next thing I wanted to talk about was the the science around season the day versus basically staying in our comfort zones because as a, as a psychotherapist you probably come across tons of people that have got so many different ways of thinking and thought processes would you say there's a certain type of person that finds it easier to take career risks or make big decisions yeah I would I'd say the people who are in pain <laughs> the people who are fed up right. the people who have a desire to have more out of life and they've been doing it on their own and they're not able to make the shift. You know, let's be frank, people come to me when the pain is sufficient. So I wouldn't say it's, right. it's a particular mindset. I would say it's people who are wise enough and courageous enough to realize I've gone as far as I can by myself and I need mm -hmm. support, I need assistance. Eckhart Tolle's mm. the book, The Power of Now, is a profound book to help people to understand the importance of capitalizing on this particular moment. Right. When people understand that, when people see that your depression comes from worrying about the past or fretting about the future, when that chimes, all you have is this moment. What could you mm -hmm. sow now 
And sometimes I'll even encourage people like, all right, we'll send the text now. Do it now. Oh, yeah. When I go home. No, no. Yeah. Take your phone yeah. now. Yeah. Okay. Mm. Yeah. Do it now. Because that is what kills all the overthinking. A lot of people overthink. A lot of people want to be in control. And if there's anyone who's a little bit more resistant at times, it's people who like to be in control. But the challenge with mm. people who like to be in control is they fear the unknown. They yeah. fear the unknown and they overthink about the unknown and therefore they take no action and have no experience, you know, and experience is wisdom. Plus, if you've got people who've got a all or nothing mindset, yeah, so they've got black and white thinking, it's either pass or fail. That's also mm. another barrier because it's, it's not about pass or fail. It's about the experience. It's about, you know, NLP teaches us there's no failure, only feedback. Mm. So, so those are some of the shifts, you know, and it's okay. You know, sometimes I'll meet people's defense. That's fine. We then explore that because, you know, I'm very much aware that, you know, fear is real for people where well, we make it real and, and it's about being sensitive, breaking down, you know, what the fear is. I'd love to just sit down with you, like in one of your sessions or something, and just be a fly on the wall, and just listen oh. to maybe some of the some of the challenges that people have and and things like that. Because a lot of the time, people, like you said, people don't talk about it, and I know like a lot of men in particular don't talk about it as well. And this is a thing that is always um, very very common, and and why you know there's been such a rise in 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 people committing suicide and things like that, and especially within like the the male community, but. Another mm -hmm. thing that I found that was really, really interesting um, and something that you speak about quite a bit is comfort zones. And, you know, I'd be lying if I sat here and I didn't say I was guilty of it at some point. Sometimes, you know, you can get to a comfort zone and that might be my comfort zone might be up here. But, you know, it's still a comfort zone. It still is maybe going into a national radio station and believing like, do you know what? I don't mind doing this like every day. I'm all right. And then not challenging myself to do something further, you know. But I guess it's identifying that and realizing that, you know, you can get comfortable. But what kind of things can we do to maybe identify those comfort zones and maybe make a change? Well, I, I call the comfort zone the stagnation zone, right? Because you, you can't grow right. in stagnant waters. And we are organisms, right? Humans are organisms. Organisms grow. We're not material. We're not an object. So growth is a part of your DNA. It's a part of how you are made. So when you stagnate, you can expect the depression, you can expect the sadness, you can expect the discontent. Pay attention for your self-sabotage because that's one of the ways that we screw ourselves over. All is not mm -hmm. well. But like I said, if people are already coming to me, they're already open to that. You know, it's for me to help people understand how playing it safe is actually not great for them. Helping mm -hmm. them to understand that. And that's why, you know, I encourage tiny wins. So you build your muscle up. It's like gym psychology, right? You've got to build your muscle on the small stuff because that has a, an accumulative effect. It snowballs. It snowballs mm. and helps people to realize the fear is in their head. The fear is in their head. And to challenge that, you need an experience. We can't just think this. You have to do this. Mm. You know? So, yeah, and it's yeah. understandable, you know, because remember sometimes our comfort zone was not our comfort zone. You spoke about, you know, working for a national radio station. You know, when you first got the gig, that's a big deal, right? What becomes 
like a big deal, then becomes norm. You know, you, you buy a new pair of trainers, it's a big deal, right? You know, you keep them all nice, box mm. fresh. Six months later, a year later, we're wearing them to carnival, right? Because yeah. <laughs> they don't, they, you know what I'm saying? They don't have the same gravitas as it did in the beginning. Yeah. We shift. Yeah. Because, because we're forever changing. And so for a lot of people, they are frightened and petrified of change. So they, they hold mm. on to what they have. And in doing so, they do themselves unconsciously the greatest disservice because you're going against your natural nature, which is one of growth, progression and involvement. It's really, really interesting. And, you know, the way that you're summarizing it, you know, makes it seem so much clearer, just listening to the way that you're breaking it down. But I'm sure there's so many people out there that are still struggling. Well, we know that there's so many people out there that are struggling to seize the day and choose now. So I just wanted to know, Keely, is there any sort of advice that maybe you can give to people that are listening to this and you know they're a little bit like yeah that all sounds well and good and you know it might be quite easy if I'm if I've got a psychotherapist and I'm sitting down with them and then you know they're helping me to do this and and x y and z that may be making excuses is there any advice that maybe that you can give to them that that could help them to seize the day and choose now starting from tomorrow maybe you know I respect free will I have the greatest respect for free will and the reality mm-hmm. is not everybody is going to pursue their potential. I respect people either way because I know what change has done for me, right? It's not been easy. It's not an easy mm-hmm. walk when you shift and you go back to where you come from. You don't quite fit in anymore. You don't fit in in new circles. You're kind of a bit of an anomaly. Like I respect whether people choose to stay where they are and they, or they choose to change. The reality is it's your choice. How you mm-hmm. decide to live your life is your choice. I never had the money to start any of it. I took loans, student loans, my MSc, some of that was on credit cards, some of it applied for hardship loans. If you have a good intention, a way will be found, a way can be found. Mm -hmm. Often we have to get out of our own way. Don't worry about the friends you fell out with. The enemy is often within. What is your passion? What do you love? What dream have you had as a child that was abandoned or your parents never sent you to tap dancing lessons? Like what is an abandoned dream that you have? And what's one tiny thing Mm. that you can do to move in that direction? One small thing, like give yourself a chance, give yourself a chance. Mm. And if you choose not to, the consequences are yours just as I've had to choose yeah. and the consequences are mine. I'm passionate about self-responsibility. No one's coming to save you. You have to learn to save mm. yourself. Well, I'm just grateful that you was around, Keely. I'll be honest, because, you know, even just by speaking to you today, I know you're helping so many and, yeah, we're thankful for it. We're thankful for you coming on the Listen. Choose Now podcast today as well and just sharing some of that insight and hopefully people listening to this can maybe just take a little bit from that and and hopefully reach out as well. like you've made it very clear don't be afraid to ask for help if you have identified that you are struggling with something and you know you can't get motivated or you feel in a certain way then there's nothing wrong with asking for help right absolutely not absolutely not as long as you are okay with your vulnerability people see asking for help as mm. about being vulnerable and if you've got this thing that you've got to be strong and that's weak and I don't do that you're you're doing yourself the greatest disservice we can't do it alone. And yeah. and that's one of the things when people act like, oh, I'm self-made. No one's self-made. How can you be self-made? You need mm. people. You need community. I needed one person to have my back. And one person had my back. That's how I'm here. Can't forget that. Wicked. 
Oh, Keely, thanks so much. Listen, it's been a pleasure um, sharing time with you today, speaking to you, hearing your story, picking up the tools and the techniques and all of that stuff that, that can help us, not even just to people listening, but help myself as well, just to add maybe just a little bit more kind of to my own life. So no, thank you so much for joining us, Keely. It's been, it's been an absolute pleasure. You're most welcome.